0: Welcome to Membership Voice. I'm Kero O'Shea, the coordinator of the voice and host for our webinar tonight. I'm delighted to welcome past district governor, district 9500 and assistant Rotary Membership coordinator, David Egan. David's going to be sharing the remarkable story of the transformation of Rotary Adelaide from an ageing, dwindling club to a diverse, inclusive and growing powerhouse. It's a story based on doing simple, repetitive and logical things that any club can emulate. All it takes is the will to act. Over to you, please, David. And thank you for the opportunity, Kero, to tell this
1: exciting story of uh, the Rotary Club of Adelaide and its uh, renewal and revival and reinvention over, over the years, over five years. So the objectives of my session today are to uh, uh, to share this, uh, the experience of this story with you. And uh, it is a story. I'll try and keep it more of a story than uh, anything else. Um, Explain why we went on the change journey at Adelaide, and uh, what we what we changed, uh, how we did it, and and the results that were achieved. And, and at the end, I would like to share some really key learnings of uh, of the experience because you know we're always learning, and uh, I certainly learned a lot from the experience uh, of um, being involved in this with uh, with many others. So, first of all, just let me say that. Uh, There are a number of generic messages. I've tried to make the messages generic. A lot of people think, oh, Rotary Club of Adelaide, it's a fairly big club, we're only a small club. Uh, That's not relevant. The messages in this are for anybody interested in change. It could be a tennis club, it can be a church, it can be a small Rotary Club, a large Rotary Club, it can be a, I would like to think it can be the region of Australia and New Zealand that these messages apply to. So please keep that in mind as we go along. And I'd like to start off with uh, the first message, uh, generic message. Now, in Rotary, we have a systemic problem in that we have a changeover of our leadership every year. And sometimes, that's a, of course, it is a good thing. But in a lot of cases, um, if people are not thinking uh, in the right mindset that it's an opportunity to serve rather than being a, a trumpet call to their self-importance that can be a problem. So, you know, we found this was certainly an issue um, over the experience. The other thing that I just wanted is, is a generic message, which we all know is our new vision statement, and of course, it's designed to overcome uh, that aspect of of a uh, the yearly change of a president, a DG, or even an international um, leader. Um, it's uh, it's really important that we keep these things, two things in mind. I'd like to start off with this um, picture of the Adelaide Over, which is where the Rocha Club of Adelaide meets. This is uh, an old picture, and it's uh, circa 2000, which is the year that I joined the Rocha Club of Adelaide. And it's a fantastic metaphor for change because um, there are a lot of similarities between Uh, The Adelaide Oval and Rotary, uh, both historical. That oval was commenced in 1871, Rotary 1905, as you know, and uh, in uh, 1923, the Rotary Club of Adelaide started. So a bit of history there. Both of uh, the oval and Rotary uh, are beautiful. The uh, the oval was known as the most uh, beautiful cricket oval in the world, but as you see at the top there, it's also tied. Perhaps Rotary has got to that stage as well certainly my club had, and, um, and there was a lot of resistance to change. Nobody wanted to change at the Adelaide Oval. In fact, in 1976, the custodians of the Oval uh, would not change and their, their co-tenant, the AFL football, as a result, left for 40 years and they had a major impact on the ability of the Oval to to carry on. And uh, at the turn of the century, some of those co uh, those custodians uh, passed away, and uh, people that took uh, their place started to think strategically, and thought about working together to try and reverse the situation because the oval had lost a lot of its ability to, to uh, you know, to be a successful place without AFL football for 40 years. In 2007, the people that were sort of running the oval sort of really took on a strategic approach to do something about it, and they they worked for. It about seven years, and in 2014, the Oval looked like this. It was modernised, it was relevant, attractive, and it was high, highly patronised compared to the way it was. It went from having about 250,000 spectators a year to over 2 million, and uh, the public were extremely happy with the, uh, the involvement uh, at the Oval. So this this metaphor, if you like, was uh, in our minds two thousand and fourteen, when our club looked a little bit like this, uh, we were aging, mainly male and um, and uh, you can see as you can see there are a lot of gray hair. Uh, you don't see too many women women. Uh, you can see one on the bottom right hand corner down the bottom. Uh, there weren't too many women at all in our club. we, were, we looked like that and um, as you, yeah that's uh, now seven years ago that photograph. So all those men there are another seven years older as well. Our club age profile was was quite significant uh, in the, as you can see there, that 76% were age over, over 60, very few under 50, very few in the 50 to 60 age group as well. And the, the telling statistic down the bottom is that that almost twice as many were were over 80 as they were under 50. Uh, so that was very significant. Our gender profile was, was pretty sick when you consider about, you know, an average society, 50-50. Um, as you can see, 14% are female. And It was very uncomfortable for women to come to our club. A lot of them would say that they felt marginalised just being there. So that was an issue that we needed to address. So like most clubs in Australia and New Zealand, Rotary and Adelaide had ageing demographics, poor diversity, engagement fatigue because a lot of our members were getting older and you know that served long and harder in the past and but now they were getting a bit tired and we had declining membership. In fact this is what it looked like in our membership uh, in the previous 15 years um, between 2000 and 2015 our membership went down 30% uh, and that's a, t- a typical trend that was happening in Rotary all around the place and so clearly uh, I came in as the president in in two thousand and fifteen, uh, and I wanted to do something about this, but the journey had actually started before that. this This slide here, there's a lot of detail on it, and um, as I've said to Caro, um, these slides can be made available later if you want to get them. I won't go into every detail on there, but I just wanted to say this is this was a seven year journey, and I came in as President in fifteen sixteen, but the journey had actually started when we look back earlier than that in 2013. The president at that time, uh, he was suggested by the DG that he does a strategic plan. He wasn't too excited about that because he realized that Rotary didn't have a vision statement for one and what we did have, we just had some priorities and values and there wasn't an action plan as we have now for Rotary International. So we had to sort of start from scratch. So as you can see there some of the things that were done we were actually celebrating our 90th year in 2013 and so we celebrated the success we acknowledged the the older members one of the key things we did was we did a vocational pro- profiles on each of our older members this was a wonderful uh impact on on elevating those people and also for others to, to know who they were you know, because they'd come to rotary and most people didn't know who they were which is really a shame because a lot of them were Successful people in their life, and uh, and it was important to do it. Um, I won't go into every detail there, but you can see the individual contributions were made by different presidents, um, and you can you'll see uh, also that uh, the interventions that they took uh, to actually bring about change. Um, you can see who did what. But it would be untruthful of me to say it was easy because, as I said earlier at the beginning of this presentation, the systemic yearly change of one president to another sort of made it about the president rather than about the the club itself. And uh, that needed to be overcome. And, in fact, uh, doing a strategic plan helped to overcome it, but it was still a very difficult challenge. What I've done on this next slide is I've I've looked at those, those seven years and I've, I've put them together in a, uh, into a troika arrangement where there was three presidents and what they did. The first troika was the presidents for 13, 14, 15. I was the one coming in halfway through 15. And together we, we sort of looked at those things. If you look at it like that, it, it sort of, it's, it's, it's actually essential that those three presidents work together uh, to overcome that, you know, it's about my year, which is really a a difficult situation we have in Rotary. The second troika was, uh, I was part of that, as you can see, the 15 appears in both of those, so halfway through the 15. And so you notice I use the word we because it wasn't done by the one president, it was done by uh, the people that were involved in that. And in each case there's three, and the, the third troika that I've used there it takes us right through to, to the uh, halfway through this year just completed and you can see uh, some of the things that they did progressively on this journey uh, and as I said before working at a troika is not easy and it would be, be wrong to say that it was it was a lot of hard work um, and uh, but we achieved a lot and um, and this is the result that came about so this slide shows you the variations between our membership at the beginning of July 15 and the 30th of June. It just happens to be the time that I came in to be President, but it's not, I'm not claiming this is my work. This is a, a, you know, a combination of a number of people through the strategic approach. And as you can see there, uh, the, um, the variations uh, are, are quite significant. You might say that the active members have not gone up much, but remember, they were going down at the rate of 10% every five years. So in this five year period, they've gone up by eight, but our honorary members have, have, been, have increased, as you see, the, and also the Friends of Rotary have increased, and most significantly, when you look at the under-50s and the number of females, those percentages have increased. This is what we look now like now. Uh, you can see more women. You can see young people. In fact, on that slide, you can, there are people from, uh, uh, there's an Anglo-Saxon people, there's, there's Indian people, there's Vietnamese people, and there's a Belgian, young Belgian lady in the left-hand corner there as well. And there are seven females in that picture. This is the Rotary to of Adelaide Board now in 2021, just taken over. The President is a female. That's Heidi in the middle there. Sitting next to her is Trish. And up behind is uh, is Liz and Monica, and there's a little, uh, in, in white above Monica, is, a, is another member of ours, is a, a very important member. We call her a miracle because she's a lady that lost her husband and her daughter at the, the White Island volcano. So she's a part of our board and she's back back with us, which is wonderful. On the right hand side, you see Rajeev. He's a, 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 an Indian man. And on the bottom left hand side in the front, you can see, Nick, who's uh, under 40 and is our treasurer. So a big change in our board to what it used to be. But there's more. Some of the most important outcomes of our strategic approach were that we retained our longer-serving members. We actually worked very hard to do that. It was really important that we did so. In a lot of cases, the longer-serving members get peed off by the change and the way it's brought in uh, and they leave and you don't want that happening. The other things that uh, happened is our participation, engagement and satisfaction grew. We became more vibrant and service outcomes have increased over this five year period, both in international projects and local projects. So what uh, what did we do? Well, in 2013, one of the key things that uh, the president of that year does, he undertook the visioning exercise. um, And these are the results of that uh, the, uh, uh, survey that we did, but also I've, I've mentioned in the heading there that after honouring the past, this was really important. We wanted to bring those older, longer serving members with us and uh, we, we celebrated the past, but we also identified and celebrated them individually as, uh, and made them feel a part of it. So as you can see there, we asked, we identified uh, what our members like most, what they want. For the future so they had a considerable buy-in on what they dislike so before we did a strategic plan we knew that the plan need to incorporate these these key things um the next president uh following that uh, the president did that uh, survey approach uh, he listened to that feedback because the pre- the, the members said very clearly that they wanted to keep fellowship and then and a very high quality speaker program. That's what kept them coming to Rotary. So, the next president made a feature of uh, Rotary being the best hour of the week, and that was really important. We listened to what they said. Uh, this next slide shows the pathway to success. And this is uh, there's a lot in this. We we um, I'll say a few few key words about it. We wanted to. Um, to go from being a good club to a great club. And this model by um, James Collin who wrote a book called uh, Built to Last and another one called Good to Great, where he identified the factors that, that make a difference in the companies that actually make that leap from just being good to great and, and survive through various conditions. He identified seven key factors. First of all, he identified that they had disciplined people, disciplined thought and disciplined action. And these were the factors. Level 5 leadership. We've already talked a little bit about leadership and I'll talk a bit more about it. It's crucial. They then identified who they wanted on board before they worked out where they were going, where they wanted to go, what strategic approach they wanted to take. That's not easy in Rotary because we just get people coming and we've only got what we've got. But it's very, very important to get the right people in the right job if you can do that. They confronted the brutal facts, and I've already shown you some of those brutal facts. We did that at a club assembly, and when you show those sort of statistics to the members, then absolutely everyone knows how important it is. Some people think it's negative to do that, but the research by Colin showed that it's actually demotivating if leaders are not facing the brutal facts and sharing them, and being positive about a future as well, of course. The next one he calls the hedgehog hodge concept and i'll explain that a little bit more in a moment they also had a culture of discipline that took them over time and they only used technology which uh, was relevant to the hedgehog concept which i'll explain in a minute the last item was is the circle itself he he referred to it as the flywheel approach when you go on a journey of change you've got to recognize it's a bit like a, a flywheel in a workman's workshop they're very hard to get going, but once you get them going, you've got to push really hard. they they got a momentum of their own and they uh, they take off and you just got to push them every now and again. So there's a build-up period and then you'd have to break through. So it was important for our members to understand that this was a journey that was not going to be an easy one, and that's how it turned out. And there was a lot of hard work at the beginning. I talked about the hedgehog concept. This is really, what it really is about is identifying what matters most. What makes an organisation uh, successful? And you ask three key questions. What are we passionate about? What can we be best in the world at? And what drives our economic engine? And it's where those three, the answers to those three questions intersect. He took calls it the hedgehog because hedgehogs know how to survive. They, they do what they got to do uh, naturally uh, and this is what this is about what are we best in the world at what are we really passionate about and what drives our economic engine i've got there you can see the answer the answers to the, the question that came out that was made to the members in the survey came out with those answers we're most passionate about service projects community fellowship and fun and our and our values we're, we're passionate about and we uh, we realize that it's the collective use of our time, talents and treasure that makes us uh, to do good makes us better than any other organisation in the world. But we've got to remember our subscriptions, our economic factors, they are important as well. So we we used that concept when we developed our plan. We developed a five-year strategic plan out of that and uh, and very importantly, this plan had measurable outputs and activities. Our vision was clearly just that. Rotary had they to be transformed from a good club to a great one. And there's some words underneath that on what that really meant. It was about participation, involvement, image, service provision, enjoyment and satisfaction. We decided our purpose that was going to actually drive that achievement of that vision needed to be clearly specified. And that was to develop a more vibrant, effective, proactive club where members enjoy being engaged with their talents, networks, and time and resources in serving local and international communities. Then we identified four four key objectives or strategic objectives that needed to, you notice the arrows going up. Uh, One of our, uh, my successor was a very experienced person in strategic planning. And project management and it's the logic that sort of goes the logic is if you do the thing that below that achieves the thing above and, and eventually the vision so the four key objectives were those things great great meetings and fellowship rebuild our membership and engagement of our members optimize our service and fundraising and modernize our communication if you think about those things they're not unlike rotary's new Um, strategic objectives of impact, um, reach, engagement and adaption. And of course, uh, as I said before, beneath these uh, four key objectives, we identified what we needed to do to actually achieve those objectives and we we expressed them in measurable terms so that we could actually measure them at our board meetings uh, as we went along. We then uh, looked at um, uh, what we needed to do to change. And there were five se- sequential steps that we took for that. The first one was to build an wet- awareness, commitment and buy-in, and I've talked a bit about how we did that. Uh, and uh, we talked a lot about the strategic plan as we, we had, you know, club assembly and all the rest of it. Uh, so that our members came on the journey with us, including the questionnaire. But before we we tried to, to bring in... Uh, you know, to, to achieve some of the because we, we realised that we had to make the, the club ready. And, uh, and I've got to tell you, um, I was the president at the time and I discovered the YAS uh, model for membership growth. And I said to the membership chair, I want you to implement this. You know, it's now November. My my year's all... There I go. Talking about my year, one of the big dangers of instead of thinking about the long term. Um, will be over very quickly after Christmas. I would like you to have a yes type membership drive in February. Uh, And one of the key members of our committee uh, said, uh, wrote a paper called Moments of Truth and basically said, go away, Mr. President. Um, Unless we change our club first, it'll be a waste of time. He identified the moments of truth, meaning the the things that when people come into a Rotary club, what do they like and what are they dislike, and what are they likely to stay or or, or not or join? And so uh, that was a key moment. So we did those those changes before uh, before we um, before we did anything. We then operated the YAS model. We had the first yes model meeting in April, not in February, as I, the president, required. And that was the best thing that we did. We then. Uh, we then encouraged them to join by sort of explaining the good things about Rotary at the YAS model uh, cocktail function. And then uh, we had processes around welcoming them and, and engaging them, which are the keys to retention. So five simple steps um, to, to bring in members and, uh, and and the key one there is to make sure you change first. So that's, that's how we achieved those results uh, over five years. Um, with that strategic plan. And I haven't gone into the the subsequent years. I've really concentrated on perhaps the first three, uh, three and a half years. But if you have a look at some of those earlier slides, you you can see what subsequent presidents did in alignment with that strategic plan. But I just wanted to finish by sharing some key learnings uh, with the benefit of hindsight, because when you're in the middle of something like this, you don't see it all until you look back uh, I came across this quote recently that said, "Before you are wise, after you you're wise. Maybe that's wiser. I certainly feel that way. And in between, you're otherwise. And I certainly felt like that along the way as well. So this is the first learning. And I'll mention that story about um, as the president uh, talking about the uh, the YAS model." Which uh, to, to gain membership and I sort of wanted them to get on with it sooner rather than later and they told me to go, go away and wrote the paper on, on moments of truth and wanted to change the club first. When I took over as president, I saw this quote by Gandhi and I asked my mentor, who's the guy that actually wrote that paper on moments of truth, and I said, look, I don't really understand this. He's talking about leadership, but he's sort of saying, there go my people. I must follow them. What does that really mean? He explained to me that there is, what what he's saying is that you've set out a vision, they've got the vision, and they're running with it ahead of you. That's what Gandhi was saying. This vision and purpose are so important. And if you can communicate it and convey it, you'll have trouble keeping up with you. So that was a huge learning experience for me in the case of the YAS uh, model and, uh, and stepping aside and allowing the 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 members uh, who had the vision to get on with it which they did and uh, we had a number of YAS model uh, meetings uh, over the years subsequently and grew our member membership extensively uh, more important learnings that uh, i've gleaned along the journey first of all the best change leaders think long term they're not about my year they're thinking about what's best in the long term so important. They build on the past and they work in partnership with others. That is a real test in Rotary because we all, you know, given the task of being a leader for the year, and we need to get over that and work together with people. Such a crucial part of, of being a change leader in Rotary, especially. Uh, research showed uh, by Collins that the best level five level of leadership uh, leaders have low ego. It's not about them, and they. Simultaneously, they are quite often very humble people uh, and they combine this with a very fierce resolve for organisation success. It's both that they are humble and they are fiercely wanting to see the organisation succeed, not themselves, the organisation. Another key characteristic of best change leaders is that they foster diverse perspectives. I, I heard recently uh, somebody mention um, former Premier, Jeff Kennett, when he was uh, when he was the Premier of Victoria. They used as an example of somebody who achieved so much change in a short time and he did it because he put on his advisory board people from the left who he knew would have a different perspective and he selected, after listening, he selected the best of the left and the right and ensured that those perspectives uh, came through when the implementation was uh, was and, and achieved so much. And finally, uh, mo- mobilise uh, vessel change leaders are able to mobilise groups of people to see and do things differently for the greater good. This is a real talent that some people have and some people, most of us need to develop. It's a, it's a very important, it's often referred to as adaptive leadership. And I just want to say a little, another significant learning I had uh, as a, um, a yeah, subsequent to this, when I was a DG, uh, we we invited a group of um, people from the Governor's Leadership Forum, which is a state government, uh, or just the state governors, it is. Uh, it's a, a program where companies pay a lot of money to send people on a one-year leadership development, to, and they're given projects to do. And one of my presidents, as a DG, listened to my messages about. Um, falling membership, and he said, would you like me to offer to this group of young leaders uh, the Rotary's problem of falling membership? And uh, I said, oh, they'd be delighted. So a a brief was written and uh, four or five, maybe six, uh, young leaders from South Australia, different companies around the place, took on that as a project for 12 months. And when they gave us their report, this was what they said. Rotary hasn't got a membership problem. It's got an adaptive change challenge, which requires adaptive leadership. And so that, that uh, you know that these that were new terms for me, a big learning. And what they were actually saying, when you looked into it, was adaptive change challenges are unlike technical challenges, where you've got to change something technically and then get fixed. Uh, you know, they are unclear, and undefined, with outcomes that take a lot of time and learning and they require adaptive leadership. And the definition of adaptive leadership is the art of mobilising a group of people to see and do things differently for the greater good. Uh, a quote from Dr. Josie McLean, who I recently listened to on this subject, uh, that is the issue that Rotary, I believe, has. Uh, we don't have that capability uh, in Rotary enough, but, and if we could train people on adaptive leadership, I think, uh, Will go a long, long way on uh, being effective in change management. Uh, this is getting near the end now. The, that uh, lady, Dr. Josie McCain, also gave us this metaphor, and how true it is. Uh, the butterfly change is hard at the beginning, all that work that that little um, that little bug does in eating all those leaves, and it's messy in the middle when the change starts to happen, uh, but it's beautiful in the end when the butterfly is formed. I think that's a a positive way to look at the the challenge. And I'd just like to finish with Rotary's five-year strategic plan and vision. This is a fantastic strategic plan, and Rotary has done, to what it was before, um, what I've learned about strategy is that the the strategic objectives uniquely go together. They do in this case, and uh, when you look at our vision statement, which we didn't have five years ago, and you look at the, the key words in that vision statement, uh, Rotary has provided behind this, a template for clubs to go through this project, adopting that strategic plan and, and vision. So I recommend strongly, don't go through the hard work that we had to go through and try and do it from the start. Run off of this, and there are resources available to help you to do that. So that, uh, that concludes my presentation
0: and uh, I'd like to open up for questions if I can. Sounds like a good time to do that. Thank you, David. That was wonderful. There's a very obvious question here, very obvious question. Adelaide, Rotary Adelaide, second biggest, second biggest Rotary Club in the country, made up of movers and shakers, not your average Rotary Club. They can do things that little clubs can't. So... How would you respond to that, David?
1: Well, uh, we were we were blessed. We, it has to be admitted that uh, we had some incredible resources uh, that helped us to do this, you know, some very competent people. Um, but as I said at the beginning, um, there's a lot of generic messages in this presentation, and uh, I believe that uh, those messages apply to any club. Um, if... Uh, if you go back through the, the key points of the of the, uh, the the message, you've got a strategic plan, and, and I'll admit, you know, that strategic planning sort of like, that's too hard. But Rotary's now got some resources there to help you with it. And they've done the hard yards. It's just a matter of adapting it uh, uh, in your own club under those key objectives that they've got. And... Uh, uh, using the resources, like getting the membership involved. If you go through the resources that Rotary has got there, there are some uh, some resources to help you to ask your, your members uh, you know, what is it they want and to localise your plan to your club. So um, whilst I, I agree with what you're saying, Caro, and a lot of people say, you know, that these challenges are too hard for a small club, I think that uh, the resources are now there and if, with a bit of support uh, that you can you can uh, once you've got a strategic plan and you can sort of work for the future and keep in mind that it is a it's a journey and work together you know, try and overcome the and you know, get a team of people that want to do it together. I had a wonderful uh, comment the other day uh, on um, on our local district uh, membership chair forum where somebody said that their club now has got a uh, they don't have a president, they have uh, three or four people that are co-chairs of the club. Well, that's people working together. It's a troika arrangement. I think that sort of—that's the sort of thing that can be done. We've got to think outside the square. Uh, and I, I, you know, if, if you go back through those things, and I'd be more than happy for people to have all those slides and to talk you know, if they wanted to talk about it uh, and
0: how it can be used uh, in your own club. Uh, please, please give me a call. So that leads to the next question. Given that we, we want this presentation to trigger similar success stories elsewhere, what's the first thing a club wanting to copy the Rotary Adelaide success story should do? Where should they start? What should they do? Well, I think the the first uh, the first
1: thing that they've got to do, I guess, is to, to get a group of people uh, together who are prepared to think more than just one year, that are prepared to work together, not to make it about themselves and my year, and then to um, then to work out where they want to go. And to work out where they want to go, you need to get buy-in from your members. And so some of the things that I talked about there was that visioning exercise, a questionnaire. There's lots of resources where you can do a health check and things of that nature, and, and various questionnaires that you can do that will get your members involved so that you make sure that that group of people together and communicate back to the members, bring them with you, get that buy-in. So the start point, I guess, is and people realizing how important that level five leadership is, and getting a group of people together uh, who uh, you know are prepared to think that longer term and uh, to work together on it rather than just having their year. So, so it's a matter of it's, it's a matter of collaborating. Absolutely, yeah, and and. Uh, Realising that any one of us doesn't have all the skills. You know, as most of us I think realise, I certainly know that uh, the great things that are achieved in Rotary happen when there's a collective of people working together, bringing different talents, and being prepared to listen to one another, and having a common purpose. And when that happens, over time, uh, you know, some amazing things are achieved. And this is no different. It's it's got to be a collaborative effort uh, where people are sort of working together, listening to one another with that strong commitment to the purpose of transforming
0: to to the future. Casey's thrown in a question in terms of the how-to part there. How do you motivate members to put in the the adaptation problem you mentioned? How do you motivate members? Yeah, that's a good uh, question. I think... uh, you know, a lot of
1: people just come to Rotary to. Uh, I presume Casey means uh, to put into this process. Is that that? Uh, yes. Yes. That's, yes. Yeah. Uh, I think the thing that we got a, a lot of um, rubber on the road was uh, was when we put up the brutal facts. If you can do some analysis of you know your last, like we did, you know the last fifteen years, and, and the analysis of your uh, your demographics. Now a lot of people say, well, you know, people haven't put in their birth dates. Well, just you know, if you're in a club, just work. we worked it out ourselves and work out how many you got in the different age categories. You can do a rough and ready assessment of how many age between this group and that that age and that, and you can still you can work it out pretty quickly. You can work out what you your uh, how many, what percentage of women and uh, what your ethnic, uh, and you can put those statistics up and you can put up the statistics about what's happened to your club in the last 10, 15, 20 years. And th- those brutal facts, actually, people come on board, they say, yeah, well, you know, we have got a, an issue, uh, but give them the opportunity to say what they like and what they dislike. That is really important. That, that step of uh, that visioning questionnaire gets buy-in because it's their club. And, you know, if, if you sort of uh, if you do it in alignment with Rotary Strategic Plan um, and, and tailor it to uh, its local under those headings, because um, we're all interested in being effective and enjoying, you know, the fellowship and all the rest of it. So if you listen to what members say they like and build those things, I think you, you will get. But, but having said that, I've got to say that when we did that exercise originally, I was talking to the president that did that two years before myself, as president, and he said today that it was a bit of a challenge because, oh, what's this? You know, we don't, we don't but we'll do it. So they they reluctantly did it. and You never get a hundred percent. If you get fifty percent, yes, fifty or sixty percent, you've done pretty well.
0: Yeah, thank thank you, David. When we were discussing the presentation, I mean, plus eight over five years is is a is a is a good number, but the underlying number. The underlying number, I think, is much more significant. Would you like to comment on that? The the other things that may have influenced that uh, that that may have stopped that plus eight being much greater. Yes. Uh,
1: well, first of all, had the original trends continued, that one hundred and fifty eight on the on the first of July uh, 2000, uh, 2000 Fifteen uh, today would probably be a, those current trends would be somewhere around about 120, mm-hmm. um, and and so that's not happened. It's now plus eight in that category. But the other categories, the honorary members, uh, we one of the presidents brought in a process of uh, actually rather than them just dropping off, turning them into honorary members. Uh, having a strategy around helping them to come to rotary and enjoy rotary so they they're still part of the team and of course um, the um, the friends of rotary the uh, rotary's new strategic plan talks about participants it just doesn't talk about members yeah you know, active members and i think we need to change our mindset in that regard maybe we'll have less members in the in the future and, and do more by tapping into these other Forms of uh, support, and certainly the you know the trends in volunteering are edging that way. People don't want to pay money to be be a volunteer, but they do want to do things. So if Rotary can adapt the way it offers uh, and new forms of clubs, which is a, a key thing that we've got. To, we're sort of trying to push at the moment, um, uh, where people can sort of uh, become members, maybe become friends of Rotary and associates. So uh, this is part of the part of the of the mix.
0: Thank you, David. Does that, does that answer that question, Kira? Yes, but there was another aspect that I think is quite is quite significant in the case of, of Rotary Adelaide, which had which has a lot of older members. You, you mentioned a number who had passed away during those those fires. No, that's a very good point. <laughs> you know, we just go to
1: so many funerals, and um, you know the, the rate of you know, five or six a year is was quite common. So that was happening at the same time, and we could tell that was going to happen. And and, uh, some people in Rotary generally will tell you that's going to happen. There's a cliff coming in that regard because of our age groups. So that is a very relevant thing, and that 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 was part of the reason why we did these vocational profiles, uh, because uh, doing a vocational profile on an older member who's heading towards putting the queue in the rack actually keeps them interested and keeps them engaged, and they keep coming because they're they are is celebrated and uh, others learn about them and they feel really good about the fact that uh, so i really strongly recommend this concept of vocational profiling and sharing that information before rather than going to the funeral and finding out all the wonderful things that they've done you know enjoy them while they're there and uh, it really does make a difference
0: so, so by sharing the stories of these these older these older folk with their distinguished careers and the like, you gave them a second lease second lease of rotary life. I must tell you the story of one of our members who uh, he didn't really want me to do a vocational
1: profile on him, but he was a he had been a strategic or, a human resource manager in his career, and so I had a little bit in common with him. And I said, you know how important this is that we know about. You. And anyway, he reluctantly told me that. His life story and I summarised it in you know, three-quarters of a page maximum and I gave it back to him and said would you like to change it a little bit and I said you're comfortable if I put this in the website and he said yeah yeah yeah, yeah I'm happy with that and uh, two or three weeks later he came to Rotary and he came up to me and he said I've got to say to you that my wife Nan said to me as I left to come to Rotary today I'm worried about you Colin because you're in danger of becoming a true Rotarian. He wanted to share that with me, that he changed his he his, his his own how he felt about himself. He went on, he he was a he was a knife important member, but he went on to uh, to be awarded a Paul Harris Fellow because of his involvement and made a significant contribution. So I think that's just so important that engagement of our existing members. Look after them first. It's absolutely
0: crucial. Well, it's a bit hollow. The organisation's a bit hollow if it's not looking after its the current team members. Yeah, I'd like Casey's asked another very relevant question in these in this day and age about how and where the new members were recruited, and that takes me to Adelaide's use of the YAS process, which I think has been a, mm-hmm. a key a key element there. Would you like to Would you like to tell us how you used YAS? You've touched on it. Yeah. So I picked up the ASS yes
1: model from Noel Trabasquez, who gave it to me uh, when I went to a, a, a seminar and I handed the membership guy and, uh, as I said before, I told you the story of how they sort of pushed me away and did it a bit later when they would changed the club. That was a really crucial thing, to change the club first uh, and, and it's that five-step process of how to go about that. Um, but what we did, we, you know, when we did our first one, we had a cocktail function. We followed the process of the gas model. Is Judy Ford on in this meeting? I don't know. It comes from Judy. Yeah. Um, not sure if Judy's on, but uh, she can provide that uh, step-by-step process. The committee changed it a little bit, and Judy wouldn't be happy about that because it's, it's a sequence of the process that really does make it work. Um, but... They got, you know, the first uh, event that we had, we probably had about, you know, 40 or 50 people who came to a cocktail function that we put on and we showcased Rotary and uh, we just made them feel welcome, brought them along to a meeting, offered that they could come to a meeting at our our expense uh, and enjoy. By this stage, the club had changed and they could see the benefit and then, you know, sort of gradually sort of... um, invited them to be a part of us. So we did probably about five or six of those over a number of years. And uh, after a while, the club actually gave it away because those new members were in, 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 in uh, inviting other friends and it wasn't necessary to do it all the time. And the club focused more on uh, engagement and retention, absolutely crucial. You've got to, Once you get them in, you've got to make sure that they're given something to do. So our strategy is focused on that, and having the old five side chats. Uh, it was a combination of people that might be interested in inquiring online as well, and we'd have a sort of a five side chat with you know fifteen people. Tell them a bit about Rotary. It wasn't sort of organised from get go like a YACS thing, but it was just a group of people that showed a bit of interest, and the club would would explain what Rotary is about. Invite them along and then turn them into members. So that's been that's part of uh, how it's evolved. And uh, as you'll see, if you look at the detail on some of those summaries, that the club also started looking at business networking events, and uh, that was a significant success last
0: year in in getting more contacts as well. Thank you, David. I want to touch on something that has been important with the with the renewal of Adelaide, and once, from what you've told me, uh, in days gone by, Ad- Rotary Adelaide wasn't the friendliest place for women Rotarians.
1: Yeah, and not only for women Rotarians, but I've got to say, when I joined in 2000, uh, to walk into the Rotary meeting, it was, it was all these old blokes in there and there clicks cliques and all the rest of it. It wasn't really that comfortable, certainly for women, they did feel that way. I know my wife has said she would feel that way and a lot of women have said that uh, that was the case. Um, it, was, it felt overwhelming with all the men. who were all lovely people. Most, well, know, yeah, high percentage of them would have been wonderful people. Uh, but when you've got a group uh, like that, it's, it's an overwhelming thing. So women felt um, very much like they were marginalised in that sort of situation. Uh, and um, so a bit of work had to be done in that regard because, you know, us blokes, we sort of don't see it the way they do sometimes. So uh, I don't know. Have I
0: answered that, Garrow? Yeah. I, I'm just wondering how things have changed. I mean, you've got, you've got a lot more women. They're staying. You have, a, you have a second woman president in the history of the club and you've got a bunch of, of uh, you've got more diversity, more inclusion. So what's changed? So what's, what's, what's happening differently in the culture?
1: well i think uh, i think that we all you know society has changed in that regard certainly in in our time hasn't it and i think we've evolved as uh, understanding diversity a lot better than we have in the past um you know as you said this is a, we have the second woman in our club uh I met up with the first woman president and she was in the 1990s she gave it away after 6 months because after every meeting she get so much adverse feedback from men telling her she can't say that and can't say this and she gave it away you know um, so we have changed ourselves we have changed i think men have become more understanding of the need to uh, to to do it differently in that regard uh, so it is very different in the environment. As as more women have come into the club, it sort of has got a better balance, and we've still got a long way to go in that
0: regard, and it's an ongoing journey. Mm. Going back to this, the 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 importance of the collaboration between successive presidents. What advice would you have for a club? You might see a leader coming in who was not interested in playing a team game like that.
1: I think they need to have a conversation. I,
0: I really think that um,
1: uh, people should, um, the club, the the uh, the elders, if you like, of the club, need to have this right attitude that you're mentioning, rather than that, you know, do it our way, uh, thing of the past, and and really understand the importance of of leaders working together and then they have a conversation with somebody that's, uh, you know, if, they, if they're not comfortable in being a part of a team that works together in a troika arrangement, well, maybe they should stand aside because it's it's, it's so important. And, and the other thing too, if a, if a young parent, president comes in and the people around them haven't got that attitude and say so, you know they've still got the old attitude. that's really hard if they want to bring in change on their own. And I think that uh, rotary needs to change its uh, its learning and development processes to, to help people to realize uh, how to be the adaptive leadership um, model, the, the type the right sort of leadership. Uh, and it doesn't, you don't have to be in a position of authority to be an adaptive leader. Anyone can be an adaptive leader, but you know, Rotary as a, as a whole needs to develop that capability. I really think that we have got a significant shortfall in that regard that needs to be addressed. I've seen so many cases where young presidents want to come and take on this challenge and they are just pushed aside by people that don't want to change and don't support them. And I think it's crucial that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm talking about the opposite of what you're talking about, I guess, Caro, um, but in both cases, um, I think as an organisation, we need to realise that there's a real challenge there to get to get that right thinking of people working together and uh, to, to have that uh, skill of actually being able to bring people with you. We've got to do a lot as an organisation to, to change our capability
0: and support people if we're were really serious about this change journey. Thank you, David. Next question has to do with the way we're doing things right as opposed to doing the right things. Do we need to give pets a workover to reflect the thinking that you're talking about here? Absolutely,
1: absolutely. In fact, I'm I'm involved in the regional pilot project, which uh, some people here may have been given given some feedback. on the survey that was uh, done a couple of months ago. And there is a lot of um, feedback along those lines. And we have one of the uh, working groups that we have on that regional pilot project is looking at leadership and development. Uh, and uh, we're hoping that they come up with the sorts of uh, ways that, as you say, uh, we need to look at how PETS is done and, and start focusing on uh, doing some training and leadership around these sort of issues. I think it's, a, it's an absolute uh, game-breaker if we do do that. Uh, and some of those points that are made about what the Governor's Leadership Forum talked about, they talked about that our, our problem is an adaptive change challenge and we need adaptive leadership. We need training around that because it is, it's a new term, I learned, I learned about it once I got that report. and. Uh, and I, and I think that uh, if we don't get serious about that and extend that training to, through, to a different form of pets a different sort of agenda,
0: um, we're not going to get very far on this challenge. So this is, really, this is really one of those things that if we don't bite the bullet in terms of, in terms of, of, of adaptive change, it could well mean that uh, uh, we're going to be a step closer to extinction as an organisation. Yes. Yeah, um, I'm glad that the uh, the custodians
1: of the Adelaide Oval um, bit the bullet, and it's not easy. You know, it was a real hard challenge. The same thing applies here in Rotary. It's a it's a difficult challenge to to bite the bullet on this sort of stuff, and bring and it, it doesn't happen unless you get these sort of right things in place. So the regional pilot project, I keep going back to that. Sorry, but uh, it is focused on. Now, a progressive approach to uh, to the future in that regard and there's lots of important challenges that face us that we've got to make some important decisions about uh, about those uh, ways that we do it so that we do survive. we don't we don't want it, we want to be we're coming up to our hundredth year and we want to see rotary
0: flourish uh, for the next hundred and we've got to adapt to the new ways to do it. Thank you, David. We've we've been we've been going for nearly an hour, so I, I think it's it's the time has come to perhaps uh, uh, to call a close. But before I do that, I'd like to offer you the opportunity or invite you to you know, to summarise or to uh, you know uh, to, to offer some some closing comments before before we do close up. Yeah, thank you, thank you, Carol. I finished up
1: with the slide of uh, Rotary's five-year strategic plan uh, and vision statement, and Holger Knack is asking all, and I, we had our district governor call at Rotary College of Adelaide last week, and he passed on the message from Holger that he wants all clubs to undertake a five-year strategic plan. And of course, you mentioned that, and everyone's eyes go over, that sounds like a lot of hard work, but... We now have a a fantastic vision and we have a a fantastic strategic plan for Rotary and we have some some fantastic resources in behind it that that can uh, help people to go down that path. And, uh, and, And in addition to that, I would summarise by saying that as an organisation, as I was saying before, we need to provide better supports. And you mentioned pets and the like. As part of the way we provide to support to leaders going forward on these challenges. So yeah. if I could just summarise by saying, give it a go and um, and and look to the future because I think that there are some significant things going to happen in the next uh, as a result of our current RI leadership and people to come. Jennifer Jones uh, uh, coming in a couple of years as our first female president. So um, it's exciting time to be. Uh, looking at these things. And uh, as, a, as an Assistant Rotary Coordinator, I know, I've got, we've got Adrian Roach, uh, that's, I don't know if Adrian's still there uh, on, the, on the thing, but he's, he's in charge of all the Assistant Rotary Coordinators who support the districts in membership, and we're all committed to helping uh, the district membership chairs and, and the Club membership
0: chairs in this challenge. I'll leave it at that. Fantastic, thank, thank you, David. Adrian is actually going to be on Membership Voice in five weeks, telling us about the the opportunities that the uh, the, the coordinator and the assistant coordinators uh, offer to our Rotary networks. So, so I'm looking forward to that. What I'd like you to do now, please, is join me in a round of applause for for David. For a... Thank you. Cute. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Awesome. Thank you, David. And thank you, everyone. Uh, That concludes our webinar tonight. Thank you for joining us. Good night, everybody. Thank you. Thank you you for joining, everybody. Thank
1: you very much. Thanks very much, David. Bye, Ken.